0: If you could only give an eight handicap a pre shot routine and they do it every time, or they have no pre shot routine and they have a really good post shot routine, what eight handicap shoots a better score do you think?
1: I'm gonna go pre,
0: but I'm gonna cheat on this.
1: I'm gonna cheat.
0: And welcome back, welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co hosts, Evan Singer. Matt Cermak couldn't join me in the PGA show because he was on his honeymoon. This is another live recorded show from Orlando at the PGA show with none other than the coach of Colin Morikawa for 18 plus years, Rick Sessinghouse. I believe this is his fourth time on the show with his colleague, SCPGA coach of the year, Josh Alpert, who also happens to be my coach. His debut on the podcast, he's on the YouTubes and on uh, our Instagram a lot, helping me with my new swing, but he joined the podcast. I was able to sit down with both of them. Before I get to that, a quick word from our friends at Roback, I'm actually on, I'm recording this, on my way to the Genesis Open right now and I'm outfitted in Roback head to toe. I've got the golf pants, which I love. I'm wearing the army green hoodie and I've got a vest over it. You wanna talk about casual comfort and warmth. My brother's rolling his eyes at me right now. Actually, no, he's impressed. He's looking at the outfit right now wishing he had some himself. Go to roback.com, enter the code train, get 15% off, and you'll be getting a lot of looks from everyone that you're with. It's the best stuff. It's stretchy. It's soft. Thank you to Roback, as always, for supporting the train. Okay, this episode of the podcast with Rick and Josh was super fun. A bit shorter, but it explores this idea of is it mental or is it physical how everything kind of flows together we kind of talk about all of their work with pj tour pros to juniors to me and the effects that physical happens on the mental that the mental has on the physical and vice versa so if you're wondering do i have a mental issue or is this in my swing this is a great episode for you so thank you guys as always for hopping aboard the train If you like this episode, hop aboard the train and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us a review if you like it. And don't forget to hop aboard the YouTube channel. We're almost at 3,000 subscribers. We post a video podcast every Monday of the show that you can listen to on Apple or Spotify. So if you want to see our lovely faces, hop over to the YouTube and watch there. And uh, no matter what you guys are going through, whether you think it's physical or mental, just enjoy the ride. Take care, guys. Josh Alfred, SCPGA Coach of the Year, welcome aboard the podcast, the Partry, you've been on the YouTube's.
2: I've been on the YouTube socials, but you haven't been on the podcast but until not now. Live from Orlando at the PGA Show, nonetheless. Live. This is exciting. This is, and Rick Sessinghouse,
0: your colleague, might be joining us in the middle of this. We'll see. He's in another interview right now. He might join in the middle of it. But I was thinking about how to start today. And I think where I want to begin is, you know, when I started the show with CIRM se- over seven years ago, I loved the idea of not needing to change your swing to play better golf, right? The mental side. And we get hundreds of messages from people that say, a lot of times our show is their first experience with the mental game. And they say, wow, I didn't change a thing. And I started playing so much better because of you guys. However, I'm learning the other side of it now, and I think I didn't allow myself to explore my swing and what it could be doing because of that old belief. I think both are important, but maybe let's start with, how do you determine with a new player whether it's mental or physical?
2: Great question. Thanks for having me on the podcast. (laughs) Look, at the end of the day, and and Rick and I talk about this all the time, there is, it's a recipe. The whole thing is just quite simply a recipe. And from a technical standpoint, and I think- There's more ingredients of one thing, there's less ingredients of another. That's correct. Doesn't mean it doesn't have something and it has something else. That's correct. And, And you could interchange, if I had somebody that came into a lesson and they were, they had a horrendous day at work and they were- super tight, super pissed, nothing went well, they're anxious, they're nervous about the golf lesson, they don't want to look bad in front of a new golf. And there's all these things and they're carrying all of this tension and negative energy and what ifs and future thoughts about how bad it would be and past excuses for how the day was, then there is so much mentally going on that is gonna negatively affect their performance right. that there might have to just be some discussion of, Let's, how do I get that person to unload and, and, and be carefree and, and come from a better mindset to start with? That's, that's mindset start. Yeah. Certainly, immediately, and I'll say most because not everybody, people need technical assistance in order to move the golf club better to hit the golf ball better. There is always, with a few exceptions, technical things that we can look at that will help somebody hit a golf ball better. So the normative golf lesson historically is let's just look at those technical things. Why is the guy's grip not so great? How does it influence certain patterns? You fix the technical elements, the person now from better positions goes and hits the ball and they hit the ball better, yep. right? Our world that we're trying to get into is yes, let's work on the technical things, but at the same time, get the mentality to a place where you can allow yourself to be successful as well, which you've experienced. Yeah,
0: well, I was just telling you off camera You know, I used to, I've always had an open face. I've always taken it inside, but I used to hit it pretty damn good. So maybe that's a good reminder of the ingredient list too. Sometimes your ingredients change. Sometimes the amount of an ingredient changes. Sometimes the recipe gets a little off and you wonder, well, wait, it can't be my swing because I used to hit it good. But you also have to understand what was true at that time and i told you i had a ton more confidence at that time so i was swinging much more aggressively i was closing down the face much better so it's okay to have an open face if you know how to close it down now maybe that's not the best thing to time and maybe it's not the most consistent thing but you know to get down to what i was a five handicap at one point it worked for me right but i think now what I'm hoping this conversation guides our passengers on the train right now is you got to ask yourself though, where am I at now? And you said yourself, the body's a weird thing. Um, so maybe if something feels off one day, it's, it's not about reinventing or fixing, but if something is coming up over a long period
2: of time, and there's a difference, that's a difference, right? Absolutely. And, and again, I, and I think it's interesting. You know, we talked offline about your experiences always being pre, you know, maybe pre-lessons and, and even during yep. that you are somebody who opens the club more than probably if, if, we, if we had you on video and the Golf Association of America was looking and people were weighing in on we Cahoot We should test it here at the PGA show
0: to see that how much you, I open it. You
2: open it too much, relatively, yeah. and you therefore close it too much, but you were good at one point at doing both of those things and match them well enough to play to a certain level, yeah. I, as a baseball player, because I was a baseball player before I was a golfer, same. did the exact same thing. I slid, I opened the club, I slid, I got forward, but I had very good hand-eye coordination, and I got really good at shutting the club. And in in, in an ironic sense, I got down to a three, four, five handicap the same way. Now the truth was, younger, physically, did it to do. I hit a lot, a lot, a lot of golf balls. I came out of sports where I was confident in all of those kinds of things, and it worked for me to a point until I started playing competitively against other people and it mattered more. Yeah. It wasn't just fun, grab some long beach golf course and yeah. flip it around and it didn't matter. All of a sudden my score mattered and I'm competing and we're playing for money and I'm in a tournament and I'm those things and all of a sudden the factors that were around me just being a guy who didn't do some great things but I did it well. and a little bit of tension and like you said, a little bit of not so great results and all of a sudden I became somebody very different. My discovery of better technical positions and, and the, the rhythm of the golf swing came from hitting a wall because my technique wasn't good enough to go any further. Right. I, I had to rediscover better techniques. It's the way it yeah. worked. Here he is. Uh-oh. The good doctor. He's pulling the Dr. Bob Winters the good right doctor, now. here it is. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dr. Rick
0: Sussinghouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask Rick the same question. Welcome. Welcome. For, fourth time? Yes, I think so.
1: Fifth? Fourth? I two, can't keep track. I, I think it's fourth. So yeah, two, I think it is fourth. Yeah, and the
0: PJ show, last, was that last year? That was last year. Wow, so oh, much blues. has changed since last year. So, the question I asked Josh to start... Was how do you know when you're working with a player, whether it's mental or physical, and and how do you know what the ratio is of the two? If you're thinking of it as a recipe, as Josh mentioned, it's it's a great question. And I think, as as Josh probably said,
1: is that there's always a mixture as as coaches is is there truly a differentiation, right? I think they're ebbing and flowing within each other, right? I, look, I actually look at swing stuff first, honestly. I look at ball went left for a righty, club face was closed. Okay, let's go with the facts first, then reverse it, and then I might ask a mental game question next. Hey, what were you thinking about on that shot? Oh, I was thinking about this, this, and then I'm going, hmm, maybe there's too much interference. Mm-hmm. Or no, I had a clear intention, I had a clear picture, I felt good. Then I can start going in a decision tree of now is it physical? Right. So it's a lot of decision tree stuff, asking questions. Yeah. But I do start with the obvious, which is the ball went there for a reason, the club face was closed, that's a fact. Now me making an opinion of a coaching assessment is different, isn't it? Yeah. And so that's how I kind of work it, and then it's always back
0: and forth, back and forth. Also, we just kind of threw him in. He's out of breath, he <laughs> came up the escalator, <laughs> My- threw him right in the show. That cardio be- is not good. <laughs> 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 yes. So, maybe we go from here because I love this analogy Josh told me before you got here, which is, and this was off camera. He said, you know, he's played basketball. We both played baseball. I was a big baseball player. And he said, you know, we all just have off off days, but I think the biggest difference and maybe why golf is so jarring to the nervous system and the, and the human is when you're off playing basketball, I mean, maybe you have an air ball, but like, you're hitting the rim. Yeah. Dispersion is isn't that far off. It's Correct. just not going in. Right. It's like hitting putts. You think they're you're hitting okay putts. They're just not going in. I think that's a much easier thing to accept. Golf, I can. I hear some. I hear scratch players tell me all the time. Well, I don't expect to play good every time I didn't hit it very well but the guy shot a 74 I'm like fuck off you know like when when I'm not hitting it well I can't keep it on the course I'm losing six to eight balls so I think that's the thing that I've never really heard until you said that I think it's a dispersion thing that golf has that maybe no other sport has. I I, I would agree I mean and, and we've seen
1: elite players hit shots we go what? right? As the, as the person looking at it, yet we know we're human, but you're right with the speed of the club and the little white ball and all the things that could happen, things can happen, yeah. right? And, and, <laughs> and to be able to deal with that, as we've talked about so much, is are we being realistic with our expectations is the first part. And if it goes off the rails, how much of a shock to the system is, right? We right. talked
0: about perception of that for sure. Right. So then where do you guys start with, because this is what we're working on right now. How do you go from doubt to belief to confidence? Mm. Where where do you start with that cycle? Because you can't go from doubt to confidence. No, the, so, so some people talk about
1: confidence being competence, right? I'm competent at something. Yeah. So if we use that as a basic definition, and I have a slightly different one in a moment, but, but competence comes that do I have evidence that I can do this over and over again, right? There's some evidence. So a doubt could be, I don't know if I can hit this flop shot. I haven't hit it before. Well, of course you're going to have doubt. Now you hit one out of 10 and two out of 10, and there's a certain part where you go, I think I know how to hit a flop shot down. Right. Right. So now we might have a belief, I'm not saying full confidence, that I actually have that shot in my toolbox. Yeah. When we now do it enough times, there has to be some evidence. I totally get this it's not about positive thinking all the time. That's where I look at it is is that let's identify what's the doubt on. Is it doubt on mechanical? I don't know if I can do the mechanics, right? Or I think I can do the mechanics, but I am still so scared of that ball going over there. Right. Now now the interference is it's truly a trust issue and a detachment issue to allow yourself to go go do
0: it. Why do you guys think that the bad can feel like forever, but the good can come back in an instant? You see it on tour all the time, right? Someone misses five cuts in a row and then they win. Now, obviously that's a tour player. It might not be that far off missing cuts, right? But what I've learned is I've struggled for over a year and I've gone through many stretches where you catch a feel and suddenly competence maybe rises and confidence isn't that far away. So I say that maybe for the person listening that's like feeling really lost right now because I've been there, I'm still there. But like, I think I'm my moment of hope and my faith is sometimes you can struggle for a year, but you start to gain a few, you start to do a few things better you start to get little moments of confidence, you start to see little moments of evidence, and then out of
2: nowhere, maybe you get confidence. But I would say some of that also comes to intelligent practice, shall we say. And let's go back to the basketball thing just because you said it. Maybe I, and again, you tell me the level of the player. If I'm a really, really good shooter and I'm having some off things, I would go back and practice, and I would shoot more free throws. I would do more short five-foot bank shots. I would do drills to recreate confidence because I'm seeing the ball go through the hoop. If I'm mm-hmm. struggling, I'm not going to go spend 3 hours shooting half court jump shots trying to figure out how to make the driver work out. <laughs> so, is there intelligent level of practice that I can do? Can I go back to some fundamentals? Can I make 2 or 3 when I play in tournaments? The first thing I would do when I get to the putting green is I would go do two footers. Yeah. W- literally. Yeah, I've and heard just, that. You just just want to see just, it go in pour them in and then I then I would start to play around with okay I'm gonna knock this one in, try to get it to fall in the right edge, fall on the left edge, and then I would back up because just seeing the ball, just seeing the ball go through the hoop. You've seen this in sports, right? The yeah. just needs to see one go in and then you know, yeah. they score one touchdown and you know whatever yeah. it is, you sometimes you just gotta get smaller and, and build.
0: Yeah.
1: Exactly. Along those lines is is when the mental game and this is us putting our mental game hats on, is when we have clear relevant cues to focus on, we feel like we have hope. I know that sounds weird, hope. When we're going down a a spiral, we're trying everything, we're hopeless. So you find that once we go, I got hope. And now I have something, one thing to focus on, that at least gives us something to harness that energy. But when I'm lost down these, I'll try this, I'll try that, I'll try that, that, there's no true relevant cue that I can focus on, thus, That's problematic, right? So I think we get that once, we oh, great, let's do it. Once we start going sideways, we feel more and more and more helpless. We've tried everything and (laughs) I don't know if I'm gonna get it back. So relevance of what am I focusing on, just back to your state, go back to the simplicity of what drill can I do right now to work on club face with my putter, right? I can do right hand only, left hand. Get down to the minutiae of the mini goal, build on that, and then that helps the momentum moving forward. Mm.
2: If I may, and only because I've gotten to work with you a few times, and I'm, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw the question to you as the. I as think the, I've ever had two people as the player that in both this. Both with me. This is great. Yeah. Well, so we can
0: really unpack what's going and on. We,
1: and there. we have the five other coaches coming on down. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a whole lot. Right. So,
2: <laughs> and, and again, because I've asked you to do this, you start a practice session with a certain intention. We're working on something. There's a thing. Yeah. You hit two or three sideways shots, and I and I know that it ha- has happened because we've yeah. talked about it. What happened to your focus? Even though you had best of intentions, you started in a place. Five minutes ago, you were doing your thing. You were working on. You hit two bad shots. What happened to your process once the bad shot started? So this is really good. I'm glad we're talking
0: about this. So I told you this off camera. I have been blown away by how physically, mentally, emotionally difficult it is to have two horrific shots on the range, working on something new, Mm. right? Logically, I'm working on something brand new. The results don't matter, right? However, it is so difficult, probably because I've been doing it for 18 years, to keep doing it, try and learn, and go back to something productive, versus, God, that guy that's like double my weight and double my age next to me is like hitting them much better than me on the range right now. I've gotta like go back to like how I know how to hit it. But then it's like, no, wait, wait a second. My job is not to, this guy has no idea that I'm here and that I'm watching him. You're not competing against him. We're not competing. What am I doing? (laughs) The comparisons, right? right? But it's like, I guess I just haven't realized because I've made this proclamation in 2024 that I am not changing anything without the guidance of you guys right and i i'm gonna be put on a plan i'm gonna work on something i'm gonna understand my foundations and i'm gonna stick with something for the first time ever let's see what happens right but i guess i just didn't understand and realize how difficult that is i mean get
1: back to uncomfortable we don't like being uncomfortable yeah let's go back to comfortable i yeah. at least know that if i do that i'm gonna get some revel you know i can kind of have some certainty we call it yeah i know that's kind of happened we're going to be in uncertainty for a little bit, and so I think that that's part of that is part of the plan is I'm going to go to the range and I'm going to have 80 balls, and I'm also going to have 80 practice swings, and those practice swings are going to be relevant to whatever you guys are working on, right? I'm going to do this drill, I'm going to do this feel, I'm going to do this athletic motion, I'm going to do this right, and then there might be at the end maybe there's a little pre-shot routine stuff talking about. I am now going to focus and and work on visualization, and I'm gonna see how small I can make it, how big I can make it. Now we have a relevant cue for you to have feedback off, right? Right. So the ball where it went, if Josh says that that is relevant for us, then okay, the ball went to the right. Huh, Evan, what does that mean? That could be a relevant feedback loop. Right. And I don't wanna speak for you, but let's say the ball goes right, and that's actually irrelevant for what you guys are working on. You want a relevant cue. Oh, he wanted you to Blank, get to your left side and finish with a balanced finish. Yeah. Huh, did I do that? Check, I did. Oh, I did, and I fell back. Uh, Josh told me that that was my feedback loop on that rep. That's really getting into building a skill set.
0: Yeah. It's like what you said to me in my first lesson it's not that the ball went right,
2: it's that you held on. So the next swing, well, and that's, that's what we're talking about. So, like in that situation, and this is, what, and this is that differentiator, you hit a ball right. And this is what we talk about at Flowcode all the time with respect to post-shot routines. You made a decision, you committed to the decision, and your commitment at this point, we have some feel, practice swing things you're doing because you have different patterns. Yeah. I am asking you to feel what it is to move the club in certain patterns that you are aware of because you know what we're working on. And then once you feel that you got a sense of what it is, put it behind the ball and do the feel. If it goes right, I'm asking you to ask yourself, did it go right because you felt yourself hang on? That was also eye-opening of how little amount of focus and reflection
0: I had while beating balls. Mm. I know we've all talked about it of just beating balls, not having a target, beating balls. That's true also, but not understanding and building the muscle of what just happened, if people did a range session, and I'm still working on this too, where I just got clarity on what I did or what I didn't do, that's probably a stronger muscle than whatever i'm building in my swing that goes back to the mental versus physical thing but that's a really valuable
2: thing is what i've learned in the last month well it's kind of funny even just coming back to your first questions right physically is it physical or mental even just in that moment you were intending to follow through you we did drills where you felt your let's just say for this example i'm Holding the mic with my left hand, you felt your arm naturally freely rotate, which would not make it go right, right? Yeah. If there's some sort of release pattern that's gonna move it at least a little bit left or or not way right. But then you did a shot and you absolutely felt that that hand stayed open. We went to the video and we could see you blocked it. Yeah. I'm asking you, and this is the, such the amazing part of it, did you hold on because you weren't focused and you got distracted off of what you were doing and therefore something that was a mental thing that created it? Or did you just try to hit the ball too hard and it was a physical mistake? You've right. gotta know which one it is. Right.
0: All right, stay seated. The train's gonna make a quick stop. Keep those seat belts fastened. Just a quick word. I know you guys are loving the podcast. I appreciate all the support. We love all of the new listeners we're getting month over month. But I just wanted to provide a friendly reminder that if you guys love the podcast, if you love our Instagram, check out our YouTube. I'm putting more and more emphasis on our YouTube. We've got almost 3,000 subscribers and I post video podcasts there. I'm going to be doing uh, new content specifically for YouTube. So if you're sick of riding the struggle bus and you want to start enjoying the ride, subscribe to our YouTube channel and let's get you guys back on track. All right, let's get back to the show. This is kind of a silly question, and you guys probably don't want to answer it directly. Oh, we like silly but questions. But I'm gonna ask it anyways. We get
2: to answer it indirectly.
0: Hypothetically, <laughs> yes. if you could only have I would hit the ball further. an eight know. handicap, let's say.
2: <laughs>
0: that's a, that's a hypothetical, that's very realistic. <laughs> Hypothetically, if you could only give an eight handicap, a pre-shot routine and they do it every time, or they have no pre-shot routine and they have a really good post-shot routine, what eight handicap shoots a better score, do you think?
1: Okay, I'm going to go pre, but I'm going to cheat on this. I'm going to cheat.
0: He's Here giving it me is. a, he's giving me a fake answer, isn't he?
1: Yes. So part of the pre-shot routine we talk about flow code is setting an intention for the, the emotional state we want to be in in the first place. So I am getting to the ball, and my pre-shot routine starts with, oh, I'm calm, I'm focused. That kind of takes care of the last post-shot routine, by the way. So I'm kind of cheating on you a little bit. Okay. No, so he
2: starts common focus and then doesn't get common focus at impact. Okay. Hey, hey. Hey. Hey.
1: So pre-shot routine, I set an intention to be common focused, which now in a way transitions to me from the last uh, uh, last to here, right? Then at pre-shot routine, we have to make good decisions. We have to pay attention to our environment. We have, have to pay to attention what to our Hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm still going to go with the pre, but notice that. Part of the start of the pre is checking in. We always talk about internal awareness. Check in with the internal awareness. If I'm still hot
2: because of the last hole, you know in your pre-shot routine could do something about that also. Josh? Yeah, I would say, yeah, definitely. The, the, the pre-shot, if I'm answering the question, they're both important. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is the distance that you hit the ball in putting or the direction that you hit it more important? In my book, the distance that you hit the ball is more important. I misread a 25 footer by three feet. I hit it the right speed, I've got three feet left. I smash the ball past the hole, it could go 10, 20, 30, 40 feet by. If I have distance control with putting, that's more important than direction. You have to be good at doing both. If you wanna make a putt for sure, right? I would choose one over the other. Pre-shot is how are you preparing yourself to hit a good shot? So the way you're thinking, the way you're feeling, the way you're seeing things, the conversation in your head about Willing yourself towards success, focusing yourself on the relevant cues, that pre-work before the moment is more important than the reflection afterwards, all being equal. The reason I ask is because I sense that the majority
0: of people listening probably have either heard pre-shot routine or spent more time on pre-shot routine than post. But it's just interesting to think about how the lack of a post-shot routine can bleed into a pre-shot routine and get and make me totally abandon my pre-shot routine. Exactly, because we saw that on my playing lesson. Correct. Right. The first thing I do through struggle is I rush. I don't think about what I'm doing because I I don't want the doubt or the nerves to get in, so I rush through it. And Sir Mac, my co-host, we played together. He's like, "Did you even think about the wind?" I was like, "I didn't even think about the wind." Mm-hmm. Or what were you thinking about with the miss right there? I was like, I was just thinking about hitting it left. Or whatever the sure. example was, I I wasn't, I think lack of focus is something that I didn't expect to happen through struggle, I guess is the main takeaway for me. 100%, so so emotions are gonna affect focus,
1: yep. decision-making, right? And that's what we're talking about pre-shot routine. So that's why, of course, we're now gonna go backwards and say that post-shot routine is, is vital because the feedback loop was the first peak. What can I learn from that result? It was great. Oh, it was a great shot. Yeah, let's anchor that. Well, what Felt great about that. Ah, oh, wasn't a shot that matched my intention. Hmm, what can I learn from that, right? Curiosity over critical, is something that Josh and I talk about all the time. I'm curious to now manage my emotion so I have a transition to the next one, 100%. But if I'm still frustrated, that decision is usually, that next decision is gonna to tend to be risky. It's gonna be very narrow. I'm going for that. And you lose, the environment in that focus. So you're not focusing on the right cues and your decisions tend to be riskier, thus we have a a bad combination. So that's why we always look at this big performance loop is that all is interconnected.
0: Yeah. As we keep talking, I realize the theme of this episode is gonna be mental or physical and how they work together. And I know from experience that when someone listens to something like this, they might, yeah, pick out a little nugget here or there, but sometimes It can all sound great, but I have no idea what to do next. So, I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. Like, obviously I've committed with you, Josh, to, Brett McCabe told me, and I think I needed to hear it. He goes, dude, tour pros struggle all the time. Tour pros feels lost all the time. Why do you think they have coaches, right? Exactly. And they're the best at what they do. And I used to think, I don't know what that is, but sometimes we think they have coaches because they're the best at what they do. Mm. Yeah. But and, no, and. they have coaches and they're the best at what they do. <laughs> it's an and. So shouldn't be. That, that's,
2: ex- that's exactly right. Do you think that Jason Day is a good golfer? <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's an amazing golfer? Yeah. Okay. Why is it that Jason Day goes through the exact same routine every single time before he hits a golf shot to include visualization and these different cues, like he's getting himself to a place. Why does Steph Curry, every single time he shoots a free throw, put the mouthpiece a certain way, do 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 some thanks, get the ball on a little thing? And Kobe, you know, even as a Warrior fan, I just wanted to say that I'm a massive Mamba fan, and that goes against, I know, the team traditional, but but I am uh, such an admirer of who he was as a player and a person, yeah. just because of the ferocity with which he went about all of these things that we're talking about. Yeah. He was so the first and the last to leave, and the way he did it was so exact. But his free throws, I can just remember even now, the the way he breathed and spun, it was the same thing. So yeah. if the best in the world feel that they need to create the same to allow them to be the best, what makes some guy who has, you know, like, you need to do those things. it's yeah. what habits are about. Yeah. Well, that
0: makes me think of our playing lesson Mm -hmm. and how, you know, you think about Kobe makes me think of, like, grit, you know, and confidence and all these great things. But I remember when we had my playing lesson, my, quote, key, that the only thing I could hold on to when I was in Scotland, which was a scary thing, amazing courses, a lot of wind, I hadn't played these places, and my swing was wherever, right? But the one thing that gave me some competence was feeling like my back stayed at the target Mm. longer and I felt like I really leaned into it and then I could just go after it. So back then, I thought that's my key, that's my key. But now, even in just two lessons with you and after a lesson with you, I've realized, well, maybe that just prevented my little early extension or dip, it worked. like that wasn't necessarily a fix. That just put me in a little bit better position than maybe my tendency, which is to kind of come out of it, my right shoulder dips and I have to flip my hands. But I think what we're looking
1: at, you changed a motor pattern, we got a different result. I think when you're working with Josh now, you're looking at sustainable change of a motor pattern, yeah. which is gonna require some different cues. Yeah, That's what
0: I would say. Yeah. So, then for the person that's listening, that's like, where do I start? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling lost. I mean, obviously, I think my answer is it's worth seeing a coach because it's not fun to feel lost. And we all put a lot of time and effort into the game. So, it's worth whatever you're willing to spend. Mm-hmm. It's probably worth it. But, mental or physical, what do you think is a good step one yeah, for I'll,
1: someone that feels lost? So, I'll talk mental and then you talk physical. Okay. So mentally, I want to know somebody's goals. I want to know what they want to accomplish. I want to know uh, some resources. How much time do you have to spend to this game? Mm -hmm. Do you have a good practice facility? Um, Do you have actual time, right? (laughs) Can you do this? Then we can have realistic goals. Then it starts backtracking from there. Oh, you want to break 90. Great, what are you currently at? I'm 100. Oh, okay, so we have a 10-shot gap. So I always ask, where are we going to get 10 shots from? Now, they may not know golf enough to know, I don't know, play better and everything, obviously. But we look at for low-hanging fruit first. Oh, three putts, penalty shots. So what we're, I'm doing as a performance coach is saying, here's your goal, where you're at, where you want to go, where's that gap, 10 shots, where are we going to get the 10 shots from? If you can take some reflection, you'll probably see some obvious stuff. Okay? Yeah. Ah, I always have two penalty shots. I have three, three putts. Okay. Then within that, is it mental or physical? I get really nervous on the first tee and I always make double. Well, is that technical or something? So I go down the rabbit hole after I take in inventory of where they're at, where yeah. they want to go. Mentally, I certainly want to help them with routines and I want them to be more focused on what's relevant, play to their strengths, play to their dispersion. So that's my, my first baseline off of
0: that. Before you go, I actually think it's important to say, so you
2: said, um, I just lost my train of thought. Keep going, Josh. <laughs> I'll get back to it, I'll remember it. Okay, um, no, so, and I, and I would say it again, and this is the normative one-on-one golf lesson thing. Someone comes to me, and again, if it's a new student, most, most of the time it is 100% that they, there is. I am assessing what they're doing technically, they are almost always, especially if they're hitting it poorly because that's why they're there, there are obvious technical things they're doing wrong. Their grip needs to be adjusted, their posture, their distance from ball, the motion pattern, there is technical stuff immediately that if I put them in better positions, they're going to be much more successful because they were just in horrible positions to start with. So technically, if I can get them in better positions and get them moving the club better, we're gonna make major technical improvements immediately. From that, I need them to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it so that they understand, ah, I understand cause and effect. I understand why freer muscles are better than tighter muscles. You know, so then, then it starts to become an education of how do we need to think? What do we need to pay attention to? How can process and learning be more valuable than result orientation? And we start to move more into mental frameworks to support being able to do the technical things that we learned how to do. So I remember what I was gonna say. I'm gonna mic drop that, because that, that felt like the best sentence I've said in four years, <laughs> unless it was a run-on sentence, and then it was the best run-on sentence. We have to clip that, he's gonna listen to it every single day.
0: <laughs> so you said the first thing you asked was your goal. Correct. And I realized, I don't think most people have one. And I, this is like a broader life thing. Most yeah. people know what they don't want. Nobody really knows what they 100%. want. 100%. But I think most people would say my goal is to improve my ball striking. My goal is to get more consistent. My goal is to stop the big right miss. But that, I don't know, does that give you as much information as it, I wanna get to? It's a starting point. That's, yeah. I,
1: I wanna know where they're at, yeah. okay? I wanna know the pain points, yeah. right? And their pain point is, I can't stand that ball going to the right, yeah. okay? Now, where I would ask the follow-up questions is, why is this goal important for you to achieve? Why is this goal? Now you're gonna get like, why? Oh, I don't know, I just always wanna be better. Okay, but why? And sometimes you get some vulnerability, like I am tired of being embarrassed on the golf course. I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of being embarrassed. I'm tired of, you know, it's like, oh, now we got the pain point. Is the right shot represent some of that, but there's a lot of other things that can represent embarrassment. Right. So now I got a pain point that I can work at. What right. would it be like if you achieve that? Wow, I actually be proud of myself i achieve something, I go great, now you get a, a pleasure, you get a kind of a carrot stick type of thing, right? Yeah. So I want to get some idea of what they want, but I want to know why they want to accomplish it, which now it gets more purpose driven, passion, motivation. Then as a mental game coach, I got something to work with.
0: Right. It's almost like we had this guy on the show a uh, twelve handicap and he DM'd us and he said, I think I want to quit mm. the game. And I said, Hold hold right there, Brandon. Come on the show and let's talk about it. And one big aha moment for him was, it's not bad golf that makes you feel bad. It's that bad golf makes you feel like a failure. At least in his case, and I felt it too. And so that's that point, it's like, you gotta get clear on what the the narrative is. And then, if it really is producing that much pain, number one, it's because you care. And number two, if you care, Get some help. Do something about it. Right, do something about it and get some help. Because like, it's just, okay, so that's step one, right? Get a goal, understand what we do and why we're trying to do something different.
2: Develop a plan to achieve the goal.
0: What What's next? Because I think what what we're doing, I think is a great model for a lot of people in the sense that um, I told Josh on camera, I said, you know, I I used to think lessons were, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, don't blow me up, give me one fix, and send me on my way to play the best golf of my life. And now, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about them differently. He's teaching me about what I do, why I do it, what are we gonna refocus on, what are my keys gonna be, go off, work on that. Have an experience tell me what happens when you get nervous or after a bad shot, try and build the muscle of what happened. What happened? Was it, did I hold on? Am I, not foc- am I focused on where not to go? Like what really was it, right? And then come back with great data and build on what we did in the last one or maybe change up what I'm not getting or maybe what I'm not doing right from the first lesson. Yeah, I mean, we, we look at, we create a plan,
1: we then assess it, we then change it and we make another plan and we keep that feedback loop as much as as quickly as possible is that we start with a, the post-shot routine is about this little micro feedback loop, right? Yeah. What did I learn from that? We now want to learn from a practice session. You know, some people journalize uh, journal, and they go, oh, Okay, what did I do today? Oh, I did that drill that Josh wanted me to do. And you know what, the feedback I got was this, right? And now we're interactive with the learning experience. If you ask those questions, those feedback questions, you can improve performance much more than just, as we know, banging balls, and then afterwards going, oh, nothing you fix. But, yeah. but were you paying attention to the feedback? Were you paying attention to what Josh wanted you to focus on, was there a good one? Then we shrink down that learning curve quite quickly. I believe so. It's always plan, assess, you know, replan, back right. and around and around. And sometimes we're impatient. So you're right. I, so I've had plenty of people throughout the years. Rick, all I want you to do is minimize my slice that goes 50 yards that way, 20 yards. That's all I want. I'd be happy. We may do a quick fix, right? And they go, "Thank you. I may never see you again, but thank you." Yeah. <laughs> but we achieved what their goal was. Right. You have more, you know you have bigger goals than I just wanna stop slicing a ball yeah. or pushing a ball or hooking yeah. a ball, right? So yeah. be clear on
0: that because then that develops the plan. I think that kind of changes maybe how people might view lessons. And of course there's a financial aspect to it. But again, like if you care enough to get really, really pissed, mm. then you probably care enough to play really, really well. So, you know, I guess to me, the takeaway after two lessons and a playing lesson and all of our discussion is there is no such thing as a quick fix in anything so if you really care about something it's going to take some effort
2: do you guys believe in getting worse though before getting better it could happen i mean again, but it doesn't have to happen oh no it no i i would and, and again i in my experience so as an, inst- most in are an instructor,
0: I feel right? like
2: a lot of the people, and again, this is a wide swath that I want to categorize, but someone comes to me because they're not playing well, and really quickly, I'm identifying very quickly, they're doing three or four things that are absolutely killing them. Mm-hmm. Guy's got a stick in his left elbow, he's got a rock in his shoe he's got all these things he's uncomfortable i take the rock out i do this i do this i do this now all of a sudden he doesn't have pain because i took the pain away because he had pain i didn't so it wasn't like i'm a rock star he had things he was doing that were absolutely detrimental to his process i removed those things and he felt way better i would say more often than not they get better however it's only lasting when they understand it and are able to do like what you said, where they're able to perpetuate those things versus it just being a quick fix. Oh, cool. Josh made me feel better. I now don't have the discipline or awareness to continue those things. Then they can go in any direction that they want to go from that moment. But if, they were, yeah. if we could stay in that moment and here's where the mental comes so far, here's what we did physically and this is why you're better physically, what are we going to do mentally to make sure that you're able to sustain that is a larger discussion and it takes time. It's habit-forming real quick, and I don't mean to do this sir. I have to at the PGA show 2024 I have to go. I appreciate your time, and I will see you soon.
0: Thanks for being here I got one last question for you and we'll get you out of here So so
2: real quick
1: real quick on that Um, when you said when the I think you said something about when the outcomes bad or we get worse, right? Yeah, how are we defining worse? Just the ball flight, right? Ball flight. Yeah. Balls on four. Yeah. And what we say from a growth mindset point, do you did you learn more about your cause and effect? Did you learn more about your swing? Did you learn more about what you can do now? Right. To me, that's the success, yeah. successful hour.
0: For sure.
1: I'm with Josh. I feel that we can make change that's gonna help you better in an hour, yes. But we have motor patterns changes where we have now inconsistencies of timing yeah. and stuff like that. But if you leave going back to the hope i've got hope because i have these two things that i know are going to help me they didn't necessarily work in the last 20 minutes because i didn't see the ball like do what but i know it's going to work because i trust my instructor i got that feedback yeah. to me that's a still a great experience that made me a better golfer yeah that instant feedback of the ball wasn't aligned yet 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 yeah. yet
0: that's a great yet is the key word. It's gross that's mindset, exactly, baby. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Um, last question for you. Do you think in most cases, like over 95%, because there's always that golfer that has no idea what they do, and they're a really good player. And sometimes knowing what you do can bog down what you do. <laughs> but do you think in most cases, for the amateur player, that's not a premier player, would benefit from knowing what they do?
1: hundred percent. I loved how you, you frame that. So sometimes in a golf lesson, uh, and this is the swing coach in me now talking, yeah. I'm going to show what's working in a golf swing. Hey, I love your mm-hmm. posture. You know, you That's had a good, good. good balance finish.
0: Most people don't talk about okay. what's working. Well.
1: <laughs> well, because be honest, we're very vulnerable taking a golf lesson yeah. and you're like, Oh crap, how many things is he going to tell me I got to work on? I want to reinforce, here's doing some really good things. I've had some people who are perfect in posture and grip and I go, I'm not going to change think, Oh, phew. I thought you were going to change my grip. I'm, I'm trying to make them like <laughs> yeah, at ease. Yeah. Like, and then I might work to, oh, do you understand why that ball is going the right? We have this going on. And then we're going to now be a coaching environment. So I want people to understand that um, there are some good things happening. And sometimes, and I know you're working with Josh, sometimes it's just the oh, the tension level or lack yeah. thereof or yeah. the tempo. You swing your best at 80%. Oh, yeah, every now and then I want to grab it a little more. i got to get back to 80%. So we want to anchor those great shots in in, in simple forms, but I think a coach could also help identify what is good in your game. Right.
0: And at least I think the thing that I've realized in regards to a stress thing is there is so much less stress in not searching Mm. and not trying to find a fix and not having an answer. Even if, I mean, by the way, (laughs) I don't really shank the ball. And before I left for the PGA show, I shanked like 15 in a row. I almost turned my hat around and I had the whole tin cup thing. And I'm like, what is happening? I'm supposed to be, I know I'm not supposed to be getting better right away. but... But so one thing I learned though was yes, I had a panic moment, but I didn't have the same amount of stress because I had someone to go back to. And then when we talked about it, it made sense because I'm trying to do something on the downswing that I used to do with a different grip and different position at the top Correct. than I've ever done. So I'm not matching up. Exactly. Which maybe tells me I'm doing something better in my backswing. And I just need to learn how, what my matchup is now. That's a great way to put it, right? That matchup, it's feedback loop, matchup wasn't there.
1: I'm going to change a few things there. But four um, months ago, I would have panicked. I, I, I agree. And, and I'm not saying that seeing a shank, it will, there would be a shock to the system. It <laughs> yeah. is with everybody. Yeah. Then it's back to why did that happen? Am I too close to the ball? Did I come in steep? Did I come in too shallow? Did I, and yeah. did I get disconnected? Um, you may not know that answer. Right. But at least we're asking it in a way of curiosity, like we always say, instead of judgment right? as we go.
0: right. Well... That was a great discussion on mental versus physical, as always. Pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks for hopping aboard, my man. You bet. Hey guys, this is Evan. Before you hop off board, if you love the podcast and you love our merchandise drops, I think I got something you'll probably enjoy. You go to thepartrain.com, hop aboard our email list, get a free newsletter that keeps your game on track, a little mental nugget every Monday. And then maybe even more importantly, first access to merchandise drops before any Instagram promotion. We send it to our email subscribers first. And so if that interests you, hop aboard the email list at thepartrain.com. Hope you guys enjoyed the ride. Take care.